0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Q&A edition of Optimal Relationships Daily, episode 1028, with me, your host, Greg Audino. And these Saturday episodes are actually features from another show I host in the OLD network called Optimal Living Advice. On that show, if you haven't heard, I take questions from your fellow listeners about their life struggles and offer them some new ways to consider them, Maybe, maybe some questions they can ask themselves to find some new answers for themselves rather than barking orders at them. Uh, Many of those questions are relationship-oriented, and those are the ones we like to share here. Today's, however, refers to a really, really unique relationship. Uh, That would be the one between adult and imaginary friend. I love that the asker sent this question in and really addressed something that I am sure many adults wonder about, but are maybe embarrassed to address. So let's hear this one hopefully reach more people that haven't been able to open up about something similar, and optimize your life. Is it okay for adults to have an imaginary friend? A lot of people talk about kids having imaginary friends whom they talk to and play with, share their secrets, etc. Some adults have them too, but they are the ones called a little cuckoo or hallucinating. Why is it so much of an odd or frowned upon thing? An imaginary friend can really know all your secrets, talk to you, never judge you, and best of all, tell no one anything. Yes, journaling is one way of doing it, but it's not the same. So my question is simple, really. Would it be so bad to have an imaginary person to talk to and share my feelings from time to time? All right. I love this question. It's a very unique question, and it's a question that I would guess a lot of people want to ask but don't necessarily have the stones to do it. So good on you for speaking up. Uh, first, First, let's talk about why it's frowned upon or seen as an odd thing. That was the first concern you had and it seems like a good place to start. Simply put, it's seen as odd because it's abnormal. And what do many people do to connect with one another and be part of a group? Well, they identify that which is opposite from them, that which is uncommon, and they strengthen their own bond by agreeing that they do not like that thing or those abnormal things. They create a boundary, right, which gives them more common ground, and thus what they feel is a greater connection, okay? This is not the case with everyone, of course, and each person has different boundaries, but that's basically what we're looking at here. As you said, kids are often known for having imaginary friends, and most everyone grows out of it. And that most everyone grows up to recognize someone who has not moved on from that stage as an outsider, as though something is wrong with them because they didn't develop the same way. And oftentimes, they feel they have a case because, you know, a lot of the people that publicly display behavior that would indicate having an imaginary friend are drug addicts or schizophrenics. Although in this case, drug abusers are more likely to be seen as being somehow immoral, unlike schizophrenics, schizophrenia is a condition that is difficult for many to understand. So they're both shunned to the side. Again, not everyone does this, but most do. It's their way of strengthening their own friendships, which is what you are trying to do. It's the same thing. Everyone has the same goal on that front. It's all—it's good relationships. However, uh, let's also not pretend that you are the first person to have these thoughts about the benefits of an imaginary friend who presumably does not have schizophrenia or another underlying condition that could be in the same realm of having imaginary friends. Like I said, I'm sure a lot of people want to ask this question of someone, but instead keep this part of themselves hidden away from what they assume is uh, impending public ridicule. And with that in mind, there is likely a large number of perfectly functioning adults who rely on imaginary friends from time to time, and therefore that very practice is less abnormal than anyone probably thinks it is. Is it bad to have an imaginary friend if you're an adult? Not really, I don't think so. The idea of an imaginary friend is very unthreatening, isn't it? I'd say it really all depends on how the imaginary friend is utilized. I think that's the most important thing. So listen up. Based on how you finished your question, it sounds to me like your primary goal is having a new outlet to share your feelings with. This is a great thing. I'm always championing people finding ways to express their feelings and to be honest with themselves. And that's just done in different ways. You mentioned journaling. That's one. Praying is one. Support groups are another one. Poetry, songwriting, there's tons. Why shouldn't an imaginary friend be added to this list of widely practiced means of expressing feelings? What I will remind you of, however, is what I said before about everyone is striving for the same sense of connectedness, is that that sense of connectedness is most complete when it is with other people. So if you choose to take up an imaginary friend, I would recommend doing so with the intention that over time, that imaginary friend helps you express the same feelings to other people that you do to them. So get things off your chest and say what you want to say. Then maybe ask your imaginary friend questions like, who else do you think I could trust with this information? Do you think there are some other people out there feeling this way as well? And do you think I'd feel better or worse if I finally got this off my chest and tried to own it? So if your imaginary friend is a friend worth having, you'll probably find them encouraging you to love and accept yourself for who you are and the complicated feelings that make you you and are a part of your journey. But it sounds like that's a journey for you two to go down together, so I don't want to get in the middle of it. Uh, Just make sure that your friend is a good friend, and a good friend wants what's best for you, A good friend encourages you to be proud of yourself and show yourself to the world rather than isolate yourself from it. And finally, I would be remiss if I didn't further legitimize the idea of an imaginary friend by telling you that there are several practices in the worlds of coaching and therapy that are built upon the very idea of talking to different parts of yourself. The one that's probably most popular and the one I'm most familiar with and experienced with myself is called voice dialogue. Uh, It's a little tough and long-winded to explain here, and it would be challenging to do on your own. But if you really want to add structure to the idea of extracting a better life from an imaginary friend, then I would recommend doing some research on voice dialogue and consider whether it's something that could be a good fit for you. Big thanks to the person who asked this question uh, and helping both us and other listeners pioneer some new ground. As usual, we really hope this episode helped to clear things up for you and gave you not only a new perspective, but also a newfound confidence in your feelings. We are going to wrap things up. Guys, if you have questions of your own about relationships or anything else and you'd like a little help with them, you can email us with what's going on. Send those questions to advice at oldpodcast.com. Advice at oldpodcast.com. We will do our very best for you and you will definitely hear back from us. And aside from that, I look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow for the Sunday show, where I will be narrating from Karen Stanley, one of our longtime contributors. That's where your optimal life awaits.